Blog Talk Radio. Another show of stimulating, that's S-T-E-M, as in science, technology, engineering, and math, stimulating conversation. I'm your host tonight, Jacqueline Sanders, along with my co-host, Dave Blackman. And um, welcome, and thank you for joining. You're quite welcome. <laughs> uh, we've uh, done a few shows where we were a little bit remote, so we're, we're back together in the studio again. So fun as always. And joined with someone that we equally enjoy uh, having on the show, which is Derek Brown of Atlanta VDPA. So welcome, Derek. Thank you. Glad to be here, Jacqueline, David. It's an honor. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, as always, we're always pushing the envelope and trying new formats, new topics. Um, to stay on the pulse of what people are talking, what they're thinking about, uh, what they'd like to say. And uh, tonight's topic is one of those stimulating, one of those hot topics that only you can find at Technology Expresso. We want to talk about men in IT. And I have two men in IT who have uh, success in their own right. And um, I know that both of you are approached by young men as far as being mentored and coached. So this is the opportunity for not only our live listeners, which I see some joining us in the chat room, so welcome, as well as those who will be listening to the archive. This is your opportunity to kind of uh, peep in on this conversation. Those who are live, you can contribute, provide feedback, um, ask questions. You can do that via the chat room. Just type in the window, and uh, David is responding to you all real time as well as uh, Derek himself is also multitasking and taking advantage of technology and uh, responding to those in the chat room. But also, if you'd like to ask a live question or even give your opinion, tell your story, press 1 on the phone, and you will appear in our queue, and we'll be happy to open up your mic. So this is definitely an interactive uh, session, and we're uh, excited about having live listeners and getting as many different perspectives as possible. Um, so, but I'm also going to um, be, we're going to add another piece of technology that we're taking advantage of. Again, we're Technology Expresso, so we're going to use uh, the technology at our disposal, and we're going to have a tweet chat room open live, and we will be using hashtag tech Cafe. That's T-E-C-H-E-X Cafe. So feel free if you want to tweet, if you're online, if you're listening, um, and, um, join in on the uh, tweet chat as well. So um, really excited. And without further ado, 
I think we're going to jump right into the topic at hand because I'm sure Derek has a lot to, to share with us. And uh, Derek, as you know, time flies. So um, <laughs> let's start off with uh, let's start off with why don't you give? I always like when our guests give their kind of background and, and highlight those parts of their career that uh, is important to you. You can't. You're the best person to tell your story. But I kind of want you to take us through the journey. Um, walk us through uh, how you got to the place you are today, the, the success that you've attained up to today. But uh, we know that uh, the path always isn't just uh, straight ahead. Sometimes there's some twists and turns. So tell us about your career journey and path. Well, Jacqueline, there is, you're right, there's so much to tell and so little time. And you know if given leeway, I'd soak up all this time just talking about that. But I will endeavor to make it clean and succinct and to the point and hit some of the more salient points that are that are critical to the dialogue. So I think I would much rather start with my time still at UGA, and that's when corporations were coming up to the uh, campus to interview us. Now, I've been a half student. I mean, I was, I was basically to say I was a bum. Because you know, sometimes when you are you're good at a thing, you take it, you take it for granted, and you lack focus, especially for an outgoing extrovert. You know, there are a lot of distractions out there, especially on the college campus, and you often lack focus. So I like to say that me winding up where I ended up was a combination of opportunity, fortitude, and luck. I'm not one of those people that actually say you make your own luck, even though I continue to try to strive towards that. I sometimes feel that fate has something for us, and it depends on how you engage that fate that determines the end result. So I was interviewing consult with consulting firms, Hewitt, um, Anderson back then when it was still alive, and a couple of other companies, and I ran across Federated Systems Group, and I was well on my way to going to grad school, but they promised me a bucket of money, and let me be real frank, the bucket of money was real small. As you get older and wiser, you realize that money is relative. But back then, it looked mighty good to me. So I still hadn't learned what I call my lessons of adulthood, getting my first job at Federated Systems Group. They paid well. I didn't work that hard, and I wasn't learning anything. But I had a lot of ambition, a lot of drive. I tried to start a few companies on the side. And as each month passed, as each year passed, what I started to realize is that thinking about my personal brand and about my personal journey and where I wanted to go had to be critical because I'm wasting time. I'm idling away the years, and I'm not focusing on the things that are important, which is one of the reasons I like that we're so involved with STEM. You know, part of our message as adults now is to make sure that we feed that message back down to the youth so that they understand that even though you have fun, you have to have the appropriate focus on the things that are going to get you where you need to go in life. So my personal journey took me to Federated Systems Group. I'm a computer programmer. I'm not thinking this is hard. I'm not engaged appropriately, and I had one of the first wake-up calls that I felt I needed to shake up my backside. A couple of older programmers in our space told me that they don't think I had what it took to do the job and that I might consider quitting and doing something else. Well, of course, that was a personal affront to my pride, and I couldn't have that. I'm like, I don't know who the hell you think you're talking to, but... uh, I get down, you know, I, I code, I can do this. So I switched gears, 
and a blessing, a moment of, of, of luck came along, and I wound up working for a newly minted manager who said she saw the promise in me. She gave me what I needed, knocked all encumbrances out of the way, and the only thing that she demanded of me was that I stay focused on the task at hand. And I proved myself, and I did. And that led me down a path of ever-increasing success as a developer in IT, and I started to enjoy it. There's nothing like that feeling you get when you solve a complex problem, and even it's magnified when someone else looks over your shoulder and they look at your code and they say, well, how did you do that? And you get to sit back and smile. <laughs> That's something of a reward. And then to have the customers out in the field say, this works just the way we wanted it to work, that, that, that's pleasurable. So I continued down that path, and eventually one of the directors in our area said, um, you might want to consider going into management. I thought about it. I figured it would be a good fit. And that led me down the path to becoming a supervisor and eventually a manager at Macy Systems and Technology, which FSG evolved into. I've spent all my time at the same company, and I've had several friends who've had 10, 15 different positions. People jump all over the place. One of the things that's personal about me is I've always been satisfied with what MSC provided me because it also gave me the opportunity to pursue personal passions, many of them allocated around STEM itself, motivation and uplifting people. And that's something that I got definitely got a lot further into. And over time, I realized that as I'm doing this, that and the other, both inside and outside of work, I had to be cognizant of my personal brand. We talk a lot about like that, that about that in our circles. That brand is important. Who you are is important. The relationships that you develop they're critically important. How you network, how you gain exposure, visibility, wall time with the people in the offices, all of these things help determine where you go in your career. And I've become quite adept at it. I like to teach it, and it's part of my personal passion, even in the workspace. I take young minds, and I try my best to mold them appropriately and grow them as best as I can so that they don't have to, you know, face some of the challenges that I did, that they understand early on what's going to be required, that they do what's necessary, and they pursue success at 115 120%. Because we know for a fact still in today's environment from a diversity perspective, but as a black man, it may very well mean that you need to be performing that well to be seen as doing 90 to 100% until you get to a point where efficacy proves itself out and there's no question to how good you are. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. And, and no wonder so many young people um, flock to you for your, your coaching and your advice because your, your story is inspirational and you practice what you preach, which is so important. But there's one thing that I want to pick up and, and actually bridge this to the, the next question, which I'm going to uh, direct to David as well, is that, you know, early on you even mentioned that you kind of got some negative feedback from people that might have, you know, even steered you in the, uh, another direction or questioned uh, your, your abilities. And you took that and you – that kind of – um, gave you some fortitude to push forward and prove that you knew what you had. So that, you know, that, that spoke to your confidence. But it, it seems like whatever your path is, you may get some negative, you may get some, some positive feedback, um, but a lot of it still, you're in control of how you react to that. Um, and it's, it, as your story went on, you talked about someone who did see the promise in you. So just the opposite of the other person. So it's, it's sometimes you might get that that negative feedback, but just hold on, there's going to be that other person that sees 
uh, potential in you that maybe you don't even see in yourself. So you, you don't give up with that just first negative kind of uh, feedback. But that is something, and, and that's my, my question to you, David. Could you talk about your journey and maybe throughout your past, you know, was there some negative and, and positive feedback and how maybe you reacted to some of that that helped steer you to where you are today? Sure, I will. Uh, first, I want to uh, congratulate Derek on your ascension throughout your career. You've had a fabulous career, and you've taken all the uh, uh, taken advantage of all the opportunities that presented to you. So, I want to congratulate you on your path there. Now, for me, Thank you, um, yes, there, yes, there's there's always been uh, positive and negative challenges, but let's address the negative challenges uh, for me. Um, coming through my uh, military career as a telecommunications specialist, um, you're always uh, um, working with different types of personalities, leadership um, and your coworkers. We rotate to uh, locations at about every two years, so I'm always working with a new style of leadership, some abrasive, some rather eloquent, but you have to know how to manage uh, those types of situations. The negative feedback, well, the negative feedback that I got throughout my career was warranted because of my attitude. Uh, I, was, I, I, was, <coughs> I was too abrasive, I was too challenging, and I didn't have the authority to be that way. So I got a lot of pushback and I'll call it realignment, so to speak, in the military. And the challenge for me was how I reacted. And, and, and you're, everyone will face a lot of challenges, negative feedback, positive feedback, but it's always how you react to those challenges and to that feedback and to those attitudes. So you have to react in a positive manner and not escalate the negativity. You, know, you will um, always face feelings, a glass feeling, as you, as you ascend throughout your career. Some are real, some are fictitious, and it's always how you deal with that feeling. Some, there are times there, there's no blanket answer for that. There are times when you have to acknowledge that feeling, sometimes when you have to ignore it, and there are times when you have to push through it. So it's no one way to deal with those challenges. As men, as African Americans, as women, there's always a challenge. So it all depends on how you manage that resistance through your ascension and through your career. I did a, a 20 years in the military in the Air Force. Um, I was a carpenter. I transitioned into telecommunications, a floor shift supervisor, leader, manager of people, moved up to headquarters, did 20 years, retired Air Force with honors, moved into um, a circuit action, circuit delivery um, as a, uh, a process manager, which was a natural transition coming out of such a structured environment. There were challenges there, the challenge of transitioning, transitioning from a military environment where you give somebody a direction and an order, and they do it. Totally different out here in, 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 in corporate America where there is a lot more personality and personal challenges, and you have to build and bridge relationships. 
So there are always those type of challenges today, uh, managing the different personalities and still continuing to move up and creating uh, a bond or, or finding commonality in, uh, to get the job done. So you'll always be faced with those type of challenges. Thank you. And, and, and that is, as you were talking, it, 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 did, it, it let me bridge to one of my next questions, which is back to you, Derek, and, and, and I also see the, the conversation that's going on in the, the chat room. So thank you, everyone, for those, those questions, and we definitely will weave those into the conversation. But, Derek, one of the, the questions I have from you, in your perspective, in, in your experience, um, have you found that some of those, first of all, you mentioned even in the chat room, it's some of it's perception. Sometimes there may be, um, you know, preconceived perceptions around you as a, a, a black male um, coming in into the uh, professional environment. Have you ever, have you, has it ever been palatable where you could really put your hands on it and say this happened or this comment was because I was a, a, a black male? And, and then, you know, the other question is, is there is some back and forth that actually being a male and IT as being male dominant, um, maybe black males actually have an advantage that even black females don't. I mean, do you have a, a, a perception or an opinion on that? I do. Um, to answer the first part of the question, I have experienced it in vivid living color. I can still remember to the day when I got on the elevator and the white woman next to me clutched her purse and moved over into the corner. The building's not that big. There are only three floors, and even though there are a thousand people working in it, we all have seen each other, we know each other, and, and we're supposed to behave in the utmost professional manner. So I found it a bit unnerving that I'm I make more. I, I know for a fact I make more money than she does because <laughs> I know who she was. I, I know of her, and her being alone with me in the elevator was scary. So that that was that was interesting, and I got to say it wasn't even eye opening. It was just it, it just was. And when you talk about uh, the burden of a man, be you white or black, all of that is perspective, and in order to cope with it and manage it. You have to grow in wisdom. So it, it took me some time, but I got there. I remember when I was talking to my boss after I first became a supervisor, I told her I felt like I was lacking a little bit of confidence because I'm big. I'm a big guy, and I'm very dark-skinned. And I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of white people, and I don't want to intimidate them. I, you know, I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing, but I get the feeling that some of these people are scared of me. She got terribly upset when I told her that because she said that is not the case, and even if it is, I will fix it. I don't want you to feel like that. I want people to see you for who you are. And I will always be grateful to her for that. She's a blonde-haired white female, and she supported me to the utmost degree. But I do have to say that if you are a young black male and these things are, you know, they're they're eye-opening, there's some things that still haven't changed because the previous generation is still in scarred in the workplace, and we see this with the elevation of a black president, that some things are radically different, exponentially better, gay people are getting married. But there are some things that are still the same, and depending upon where you work and where you live, you will encounter them, you will experience them. What's important is how you deal with them. You have to be able to manage that feedback, like David said. Now, that's critically important. If you're a black male, you will be challenged. That's not going to go away. Your, your level of technical proficiency may be challenged, depending upon who you're engaged with. 
And you just have to make sure that you maintain a certain level of confidence. And I say this time and time again to young guys, you know, just, just remain professional. Remain professional and be uplifting. You know, even if it seems like a burden, it's what you have to do. And I fully agree, it is a burden. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit more energy to be the person that's in the middle of all this quagmire and strain and stress that says, look, this is a path forward. I'm the guy that will help get you there. And it's always good to be the guy that's going to help get you there. But I'm not ranting over here. I'm not raving like that guy over there. I'm not acting an ass. You know, I'm trying to be the professional guy in the room. Every time there's a black man in the room that's saying the most professional man in the room, he is elevating his brand and he is burning a path. That's what you always have to do. You have to be the guy that's burning a path in the room, whether you say it with words or your demeanor. That's the big thing, too. Your brand and your demeanor and how you sit silently speaks volumes. Sit in the meeting and act confident, even if you don't know a damn thing. But you've got to understand, they don't expect that from you. They don't expect to see you do that. When you start to do that, you change perception. It starts to spread outward, and they see you in a different light. And that, too, will be subjective because, in many instances, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But you know you're going to figure it out. And that's when you realize that, you know, that's the only thing that everybody else does. They try to remain confident until they figure it out. By doing that, you value your brand, you elevate your brand in others' eyes, and they start to see you differently. You can execute much better. Absolutely. And, and what I hear you saying is, first of all, exceed expectations. Um, look around the room and make sure that you're exceeding expectations. You're exuding confidence, and like you said, even if you don't have all the right answers, make sure you do your homework um, and, and come back with all the, the, the answers to any questions that are, are asked. But, you know, something you, you said, uh, which I, I find some people are begrudging, is like it's okay to exceed expectations um, because it's a, a surprise to them. It, it elevates and maybe in some, at some point over the long term might change people's perception. But why not? When, like you said, you're representing your brand. You're, you, you want your brand to always bring your A game um, because you, you can take your brand to other places as well, and you never know who's watching. So there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with exceeding expectations, whatever those are, and even if you're misguided uh, perceptions, um, but reacting by exceeding expectations. So I really like that, that message and, and just want to reiterate that. Um, I want to ask maybe let me, just, the next question. let me just throw this out, oh, no, let, me, let me throw this okay. out real quick. Because there's an opposing viewpoint that I definitely want to highlight. Where it, and, you know, even in a city like Atlanta, where African Americans and minorities have made such wonderful inroads, you will still see what you've heard me call before this drive towards mediocrity. You'll see uh, a person of a varying ethnicity, let's just go with black, and the black guy isn't trying to be the confident person. He's not. It's not that he's afraid to exceed expectations because he's afraid that he will turn people off. It's that he doesn't care. And we have too much of that. It's like there are some of us who have made it to a certain level of success, and not only do they not give a damn about paying it forward or backward for that matter, they don't care about continuing to elevate and burnish their brand. They just want to go along and get along and collect a check, and they're always trying to figure something out, dance, move here, move there, just enough to get by. 
And I just wanted to highlight that because that's a message no matter what color you are, no matter what ethnicity. If you're going to do a thing, do it right and do it well. You have to push for that. Don't accept mediocrity. Don't become part of the TV generation. Put your best foot forward. And I try to say that to the young guys that come through. It, but sometimes it's real difficult when they run across someone who's even 10 years older than me, and the first thing out of their mouth is, look, I'm just trying to collect the I don't give a damn about this place. It's unacceptable. It doesn't grow them. It doesn't grow the people around. And, and if they were working in a refrigerator or an icebox, totally isolated, then I might be okay with it. But if you're out there and people see you and they start to emulate you, then you are affecting the paradigm negatively, and that has to change. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad you underscored that, and, and I welcome us looking at both viewpoints because there, there are people that might disagree with that. And, and I, I dare say that even the question that Lenita just asked in the chat room, um, a, a term that, that she mentioned, I think also relates to, to that line of, of conversation, is that because you're trying to be successful, trying to be the best that you can be, um, trying to succeed in your career path, uh, whether it's in corporate America at this moment, some people might consider you a sellout. And I think we've all heard that, that term. And maybe I'll throw it, I, I don't know if you want to go and, and respond to that first to, to Lenita's question. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll direct it toward uh, Derek. Sure, sure. Um, yes, I've, I've heard that before, especially in the military, uh, as a young black man coming up through the ranks and associating with other African American males. Um, I had a different. I had. I always had a different path, and it wasn't about just getting by or trying to manipulate the system or doing as little as possible. Uh, some associate that with just being a rebel, but as an African-American, as a black man, it could be seen quite differently and take on a, an entirely different connotation. So um, I, and I didn't think with that. So I had no choice but to push through it. Um, it it, it wasn't a fight worth fighting, basically. So uh, there are some perceptions that you just have to let go, where, uh, as, as Janice Coleman, well, while we were in D.C., spoke, sometimes you have to consider your audience. If you're the smartest person, if you're the smartest person in your group, you need to change your group. So if you're around a bunch of individuals that want to challenge your integrity or question your integrity or question your ascension and your desires, as far as your career path is concerned, maybe that's not the group you need to be associated with. So, so, so that's how I pushed through that. I limited my associations with those. We hung out, uh, but my conversation with those individuals were different. When the conversation shifted towards career-minded uh, stories or uh, desires for your career path, I, didn't, I, I usually didn't have the same career path or desires as my other uh, um, military mates. Everyone, some wanted to just get out of the military. They didn't have an answer for what they do when they got out of the military, but 
that's as far as they could see that their vision was short-sighted. So I had to change the context of my conversations around individuals and associate myself with more uh, aspiring individuals that look for a longer career path and a transition into the corporate world here in this country uh, to uh, continue my uh, elevation. So that's how I dealt with the, some of the stereotypes and, and being called the sellout in that environment. I don't get that much so much here, out here in corporate world. I, I, I run into, I associate myself with like-minded individuals in BDPA, De, Mr. Derek Brown, and other individuals <laughs> that have, <laughs> that have a, a serious desires, career aspirations, and a thirst for knowledge, and a, and a desire to share what we've learned throughout our careers. So uh, that's the type of people that I associate myself with, and I always love to get back to that. Very, very valid points, and, and really appreciate that. And, and, Derek, I don't know if you have anything that you want to, to add to that, but, but particularly to me what comes out is that sometimes the false perceptions come from within our own group. Um, you know, people who perceive us to, to be sellouts or, or whatever the case may be, just because we may be within corporate America and uh, being the best that we can within corporate America. But I did hear, and, and from your story, too, there's a way to even balance, even within corporate America, to still be yourself and keep it real, so to speak. Um, but it's also, you know, with corporate America, with lucrative salaries and, and opportunities within IT, it has afforded you and, and others of us to pursue our passion. So um, th there's, there's a way to balance it out and to feel like uh, so that even within yourself you can reconcile whether or not you are keeping it real and still being true to yourself. But what, what are your thoughts around that, and what's been your experience as far as that sellout kind of name-calling? My experience is, well, I guess the best way to say it is, with time comes wisdom, and you have to hear it when it hits you and pay attention to it. I've been called a sellout. I've been called incredibly rich. I don't know where that comes from. I've been told that I got all the money and he won't give me none of the money. And, you know, that comes from a certain quarter. Uh, I find that to be a bit distressing, upsetting. But I always have found over time, and I get more clear about it, that the best way to handle such a situation is to just be your authentic self and grow and exhibit what you've learned. So for me, it all comes down to who I am, again, what my brand is, and maintaining a, a factual presence. So if you want to call me a sellout at this point, I understand where you're coming from. That's a function of you, not me. Uh, I, I don't have any control over that. I can influence your perception if you're willing to talk to me. And I accept this kind of thing. I accept this exact thing, you know. I'm not trying to distance myself from you unless you're going to just try and drag me into the total, into total negativity. But if you have a moment and you want to understand the conversation, let me explain to you why you're wrong, why you are involved in the drive towards mediocrity, why even at 40 years of age, it's not too late for you to course correct and do something different. We all are empowered with choices. All of us have made choices, and the choices have, they, they, they've given us some level of success. I'm not going to be sorry for that. I refuse. I, in fact, I appreciate and I build on it, and I'll share the story with you if you're willing to listen. And if you have an ear for it and the intestinal fortitude to drive it out, 
I might even take out of my personal time to help guide you along that path. But you have to be open to it. You have to understand and you have to know yourself. See, a lot of times these people who hit us with these statements are, are questioning who we are. They don't know who they are. And they're driving towards this mediocrity, this, this, this simple lifestyle, you know, like what we've attained is beyond them. So instead of continuing to try to reach for it, they want to bring it down. They want to talk bad about it and you and the things that you're interested in. And they see that it has, it has no favor. But if you're willing and if they're willing, maybe you can steer them towards a different path. I've done that a time or two before. And, again, that kind of thing is, is eminently rewarding. But, of course, the person has to be open, open to the possibility and they have to be ready to listen. You know, they have to be, just like I am, confident in myself, be uh, an authentic person, you know, and be open to the change and understand where you're coming from. If you're coming from a place where it seems appropriate to call someone of the same ethnicity a sellout, just because they make a certain amount of money, then the first thing you need to do is put a mirror in front of your face and know the truth of who you are. Ask yourself why. Why would you seek to bring somebody else down? Do you feel bad about yourself? In all likelihood, you do. And then we have to ask the question of what are you going to do about it? Would you be willing to seek help? Some of the people you talk bad about would be willing to help you, but you have to be ready. If you're not ready, it won't happen. It's just that simple. And what you'll find with those people like myself and David is we are ready to move on. We are perfectly willing to give you the assistance you need, but you've got to be accepting of it. And if you keep trying to drag us down, well, we refuse to be dragged. That's just simply not going to happen. That's not in the cards. What will happen then is you'll get left behind. And for the most part, none of them want that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I wanted to add on to that in response to a question from Lenita from our chat room, especially about the sellout, it, uh, the comment itself. As, you know, you could not want to be considered a sellout. And the psychological effect that can have on an individual is that it can create a glass ceiling. Feeling to, yep. to, the, to the point where you feel as though you are not supposed to ascend, but so high, because any higher, you'd be considered a sellout. So that creates a false feeling where you're just trying to create a, a better environment and feed your family and create a sense of well-being within, within your professional career. Uh, that is supposed to be more important than being considered a sellout to some individuals who don't pay, who don't write your paycheck. Right, right. And, you know, it's almost like a reverse psychology. You, you almost play a mind game on yourself. And sometimes people are playing mind games with you. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things as, you know, I believe in the psychology is you can be whatever you want to be if you apply yourself. But it's the reverse of people say, you can't be that. They're not going to let you. Those, they, you know, that's the man or the system. And, um that it's not attainable, it's not realistic for us. If you keep repeating that, right. it's just like the everybody kind of has a loop in their head. If you keep playing those negative messages, they will come true. The negative, just yeah. like if you play the positive ones, they will come true and you will at least strive. Otherwise, yeah. you may quit prematurely because you're listening to the, the, yeah, the ne negativity cuts deeper, and it stays with an individual and in your memory banks longer 
than the positive messages. So those negative messages continue to creep in and give you the impression that you're not supposed to ascend but so high. And that affects your whole personality. Absolutely. And, and I want to thanks bring for, that. Uh, thanks, for that, uh, thanks for the question to Lanita uh, in the chat room as well. Absolutely. I want to bring that to a question. Absolutely. I, I dare say that there's a common denominator between the three of us is that we continue to feed ourselves you know, really mentally, physically, you know, even psychologically with the messages. Derek, can you speak to how you continue to feed yourself so that you can uh, kind of, um, you know, build a fortitude for you to go out into the world which sometimes has negative impressions and, and reactions? How have you done that? The main way I've done that, and I've shared this with a lot of people that I've coached or mentored, is, and it's hard because sometimes we're not necessarily wired this way. But every day you wake up in life, there must be the desire to know. And I just have to leave it at no because you don't necessarily know what that thing is. You may be working on a project, and that may be the thing that you have to evolve over the next three to four months so that you can get to the execution phase and deploy it successfully. Those are the things you don't know. But every day you push forward with a desire to know what's next. Life is a grand experiment. It's a grand experiment, and we are living it. When you start to check out, then you start to fail. When you start to let someone else imprint their negative perceptions on you, then you start to fail. When you don't take the time to look in the mirror and paint your own picture, understand who you are intrinsically, both internally and externally, then you start to fail. If you start to realize these questions and build on them, then every day, not jokingly or trite, becomes something of an adventure. And it's not going to be like that every day. We all, even though we're successful, we experience hard days, times when we don't want to get up. But we get up anyway. You have to make sure you maintain that intestinal fortitude and be prepared to latch on that thing that day that's going to propel you to the next one, whether it's an idea, whether it's an invention, whether it's a desire to make a certain amount of money for an end to goal because money as a pursuit in and of itself is not rewarding. You need to start to think differently about who you are. Close off the negative messages and open yourself up to the positive ones. I do this consistently. I do it constantly. And part of how I do it is is I write. I've said before, I think everyone should, but if people want to know what my specific tool is, every morning I get up and I write for an hour, whether it's a chapter in one of my books or just a journal entry or an article, it fleshes out my thoughts. And even though everyone wasn't meant to publish a book, sometimes, over the course of the day, maybe two or three times a week, if that's all you can do, you should sit down and think about yourself, your ideas, and what you think about the world in which you inhabit. Live it. Make poetry out of it. Write it down. It's highly motivating. Everyone should be able to write a verse every morning about something, about something. To me, that's the motivation. Writing is an exercise. I don't mean typing on the keyboard. I do a lot of my writing on the keyboard. But writing with pen and paper moves your mind. Reading moves your mind. At the very most common, the very lowest, most common denominator, it's about exercising your mental muscle to maintain your personal motivation to succeed, no matter what the field is. And you have to be able to look out on the world around you critically and discern for yourself what's effective, what's evocative, what's eroding. True discernment gives you the ability to open the doorway to the path that will provide you a sense of success. And you have to be prepared to do that. It's incredibly hard, but it's very rewarding. And, again, you won't be able to do it every day. 
but you have to drive towards it. You have to try to do it, and you have to keep doing it every single blessed week of your life. And I, that's another thing that I impress upon people. I'm ignorant, and we all are. But then I ask you to understand what the definition of ignorance is. Ignorance is you not knowing something. You're ignorant of a thing. We're all ignorant of something. Then your purpose and pursuit through life may be to not be ignorant of that thing. That's the good part. What do you know today? What will you know tomorrow? What are you willing to learn? And what will you learn that motivates you into a space of success, that gets you out of what you're in into that next thing that makes you happy? Pursuing your passion is no trite thing. It's a real thing. You just have to understand that you were meant to pursue it. If you could do that, then you'll start to feel better about the things that you're engaged in. It may mean that you will walk your way away from what you're doing now. It may catapult you into a whole new tax bracket. You never know, but you won't know unless you get up and ask and try and then do Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. And again, and, and, and I just want to reiterate and tie together both the comments you and David said, you know, first of all, you need to be surrounding yourself with people who are providing you with message, messages and, and advice and and showing you the direction um, based on what their, their living experiences. And both David and uh, Derek both are practice what they preach um, come with positive message, come with real ad- advice. If you have someone that is um, bringing you negative energy, um, then you need to find a new set of friends. And one way to find friends, and, and David, you mentioned it, is through Atlanta BDPA. Both of these uh, gentlemen, as well as several of our guests in the chat room, or are from the Atlanta BDPA chapter, and I dare say that you could find a BDPA chapter in your neighborhood or your state or city um, and get with positive, like-minded professionals who are um, looking to move to to the next level and and better themselves um, by, I dare say, any means necessary. Um, And one of those are through the programs that we bring you on Technology Expresso Cafe. So let me continue down our our, our questioning. Tonight's show we're, we're talking about men in IT, and, and talking to two successful men in IT, um, black men, I uh, dare say, and I'm not talking about your last name, but uh, both um, <laughs> um, minority males, and um, I, I want to get your perspective. One of the things that I want to tie into a question that Lenita also asked from the chat room, which is do I find, even as a woman, that we're in kind of very pro-women, um, um, girl power, kind of uh, era, there's great organizations like Black Girls Code and um, really promoting young ladies, uh, both minority, um, there's Women in Technology, there's that very large organization. And so there's a lot of pro-female uh, movement to move uh, females into the STEM um, career path. Let me ask you from male perspective, is, are you finding in some cases maybe there's some reverse, uh, even sexism to some extent? And, and have you ever experienced uh, where maybe there was favoritism toward a female because of all this kind of pro-female kind of uh, track um, <laughs> or sexism even um, the, the reverse way? I mean, what, what has been your experience? Do you see it uh, that it's time and it's necessary, or do we also need to call for some balance there? What do you think? 
Well, personally, I haven't faced any sexism. Uh, personally, I'm not a sexist individual. Uh, you know, I was young <laughs> once, so I cannot. I, I, I claim so, neither one. Right? <laughs> Derek and I. Well, we 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 can. Uh, um, I'll, I must say. I can't deny total ignorance and 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 total innocence of, um, uh, on the situation here. Uh, but obviously, I'm I'm in a good space now, and uh, anything I might have said or could have said could have been attributed to you. But it's hard to go back and isolate those incidents. And um, uh, but today, I feel there's room for everyone. I don't feel challenged by uh, women. Uh, that are working alongside of me. I don't feel a need to upstage any women or men uh, climbing their corporate ladder or, or on their personal goal. There's enough room here for everyone. If there's a position that I'm in line for and a woman's in line for, it doesn't matter if it's a woman or man, black or white, whatever. If someone else gets that position legitimately that I feel, then I feel it wasn't meant to be for me, and I don't take that personal. Uh, maybe my ascension is not with this group or with this company. There's plenty of opportunity out here for everyone. So I took for me, the best way for me to manage those types of situations is not take it personally just to feel as though the time wasn't right or this position was not for me and I find my uh, career path somewhere else. So that's how I deal with it. Unless, however, if, if I get some information that, that, that may lead to something underhanded where something may not be right, I'll do my little bit of investigation, but um, I, you have to be careful around that. So, I, you know, you have to navigate that very carefully. But if, if it's taken a lot of effort, then maybe that position wasn't for you, or maybe this group of individuals wasn't ready for you, and I don't take that personally. Right, excellent, excellent. Derek, well, what are your feelings on it? What's been your observation? Um, I got to say that Dave hit it dead on. I mean, he really nailed that hammer in good, that, that nail in good with the hammer. But um, I do want to just uh, take it from another angle and add from my experience. As I looked out on corporate America and more than just the company that I'm in, um, in the greater metropolitan area, I have found, and there's been a lot of discussion that black women were preferred to black men. And I, I want to throw that out and be frank. You know, people, I, I've had this conversation with people. Why are black women being promoted faster than black men? Why are they ascending to levels of control and, and, and authority and power? And why aren't we getting the same level of support? And it seems to filter from the C-suite all the way down to when you got kids, black girls code, you know, and I've had that conversation. But, again, looking at it from the aspiring critical thinker's perspective, I always had to ask the pertinent questions. And so in my experience, I've asked people who have mentioned that to me, well, why do you think that's the case? And when the answer is, well, you can see it, it just is, I have to push harder and dig deeper. No, really, why did she get the promotion that perhaps you think you should have gotten? Break it down to the facts, because there has been some facts that show certain levels of performance. And for you in particular, as a black man in corporate America, do you think you did everything that she did? It's a hard question to ask. It's an even harder one to answer, because we have seen with 
you know, out, without equivocation, that there's some, been some promotions where they weren't necessarily warranted. And I don't say this to upset my fellow black men, but we know the truth of ourselves. There are those of us that exceed to a very high degree, that we are highly successful and we've earned it. But then there's a loud voice of those that, you know, they couldn't program their way out of a wet paper bag. And they're talking about what they deserve. That's a problem. That's a real problem. You don't deserve it, but you perceive you should. Again, that goes back to entitlement nation and this drive towards mediocrity, that you think you are owed something because you changed a couple of lines in the program. You didn't even write the program, you know, and, then you're trying to become a lead of a development team when you clearly don't know how to manage teams and you don't collaborate. These are very simple things once you start to dig into it. And I just wanted to highlight that because there often are some reasons. In fact, I would say it differently. There are always some reasons. You just have to figure out what those reasons are. You know, so do we feel that there is a challenge with women succeeding as opposed to men? If there is a challenge and you perceive it and you see it, then why? And what are you going to do about it? That's the most pertinent question. What are you going to do for yourself if you feel you are deserving of the next position and you are in contention with the one, be you white, black, Mexican, Indian, I don't care what, you know, does it really come down to the facts? Do you know how to lead? Do you collaborate well? Is your technical knowledge deep? Are you in-depth enough to execute? Can you do what's being asked or does she do it better? Especially as men now, you've got to understand, we're not comfortable with those kind of questions. Often enough, we are not. We're not willing to have you ask us, let alone answer. We just feel we're deserving. And that comes from a very real root of, I guess the best way to put it, is a, a chauvinistic, patriarchal society. Even though we have continued to evolve over time and women maintain some of the highest offices of power in our land, there still is a challenge of how some men perceive women and what men perceive to be their rightful place. That's a question that we should never stop asking. It's a dialogue that we need to continue to have. And for the um, the other part with, you know, STEM, I'm, I'm so glad that we continue to talk about that. You guys know I love it. We need to figure out what's going to happen with some of the, you know, the, the kids, you know, the, the black boys code too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that. Uh, since it's, uh, and I just want to adju- uh, address this from the racial perspective as well. There are times where a black woman may ascend higher than uh, a black man if the corporate structure is mostly white, frankly speaking, because uh, the uh, Caucasian are less challenged and threatened by an African-American woman than they are than an African-American man. And that's just uh, the, absolutely. God, the honest truth. That's and, absolutely and then- that, that can be, but I go back to what Derek says, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're having this dialogue, but that's one way to dismiss that that woman's just qualified, too, at the end of the day. If I had the most, I hate to say it, you know, if, if you lay down my resume and I've got the, the qualifications, I've got the experience, I've got the communication skills, I've got the polish, then I'm going to get the job. And it has nothing to do with what they're comfortable with. It's like, like you said, but you, you have to come in. And, and this is because can, we can flip it because we can talk about, and that's what I'm glad, all the different things that people may say, um, and, and we can put that out there. But I have had Mel say, I'm not going to play the game. And it goes back to, I think, Lenita about her, her sellout comment. Men's pride, and Derek, you might have hit this too, sometimes won't let them 
do those things that they feel like they don't have to. It's stooping below their level. Um, it's, it's stupid. But it's, it's the it's system, stupid. and it's part, say it again. It's stupid. That's what it is. It's stupid. You are absolutely right. I've heard that way too. I'm not going to play the game. I ain't got to play the game. It's, it's, it's stupid. It's asinine. The game is there to be played, and they play it all day and day, sometimes to the detriment of whatever the P&L is, but they are playing it. It is politics and action in the corporate environment, and if you want to succeed, you need to brace up and be willing to play the game too. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You need to get in the ring, or you just need to go. That's it. Right. right. I just right. tired of hearing that one. I hear enough. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I want to go back to, it was actually the uh, Atlanta BDPA, the executive forum, one of the people on stage, and someone was asking even about, um, it, it was something even about how people, the young people look, whether it's showing their tattoos or if you want to have yep. red hair. And he said, yeah. the person hiring, that may be offensive to them and it may be cause for them not to hire. But I'm not saying that you've got to change, but then you better be looking to create your own business. And I love that answer. And that, that's to some people. If you don't want to play the game as it is today, then you better be looking to start your own business because everyone that is, is out there and buying, there's someone who is willing to play the game. And they're getting the position, Absolutely. and you can't be mad at them. Now, once, and, and I think that this is a, you know, a, a conversation that a lot of people have. Once you're on the inside, this, that's probably the best place to start changing attitudes and perceptions and so on and so forth, once you prove yourself and continue to prove yourself above and beyond, standing on the outside complaining and, 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 and pointing fingers and, and having a chip on your shoulder, that's not really what is producing other opportunities for other minorities. Absolutely. That's absolutely. my thing. Say I'm talking too much. No, absolutely, just, just, absolutely. Right to the point. As an individual, if, as, as a man, uh, and I was just uh, speaking to Lanita in the chat room about this. As, as a man or as a woman, you may feel as though it's, it's having a big impact on the, your African-American male coworkers that you just risen past. However, that's not your issue. Your issue is to represent yourself and who you are and climb and achieve your corporate success, okay? Those that go, I, I said to her, I said, their glass ceiling is not your glass floor. Right. So those issues are their issues, and they have to work how, how, how to find ways to um, mitigate that glass ceiling uh, that, they, that they feel is there. Um, maybe if, if they feel as though a, a woman was hired ahead of them, that they may feel less qualified, well, well is that a company that you really want to be a part of? Then maybe your, exactly. maybe your career path is somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And you just exactly. let the car, I mean, you can't sit there and beat on the glass ceiling. Right. You know, Especially say, on the outside. Right. And, and say, let me in. You're going you're gonna to promote me. Because, you know, if, if you get that promotion, <laughs> you don't want to work in that type of environment. Yeah. So yeah. your opportunity. And what Jacqueline said was poignant and so on point. When you get inside, I mean, especially for African-American males and, and females too, actually, because I've seen this in action, once you get to that point where your confidence is driving you and you can do the job, they see you differently. Then you're a change leader. You are a change leader. So if 
it's in your blood to want to tap your left arm up because that's an expression of yourself. And, again, you have to be very wary. If your confidence level is so high and you can do the job so well that you've got them where they need to be for you to express yourself, then you can. But I will only say this. You need to be very wary of how you do that. They become more open to natural hairdos. They become open to dread, but it's only after you've, only after you walk through that glass door, got above that glass ceiling, once you're sitting at the table with them and they know you for what you do as opposed to the things you want to express, then they become more amenable to that expression. And what you really have to see, and minorities don't peep this enough, is that they're doing the exact same thing. They may all be white, but they got all these picadillos and behaviors and, and things that, that come with their character that they hide until they get to the point where you ain't going to fire me. And believe it or not, they do that. They get there. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get fired unless I do something crazy. So, you know, now I'm getting ready to express myself in my entire religion. I'm bringing church up in here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you, exactly. but, you know, you're expressing yourself. Exactly. And then, exactly, I did want to go back to the other point from a couple of minutes ago around, you know, how we've got young people or people expressing themselves and feeling that they don't have an avenue out or they see us as different, even though we recognize we're the one percenters. The only thing I wanted to add to that is, especially for young folks in the hood, we do know they have an outlet. They have a mode of expression. It's just not us. And that's why they will call us a sellout. It's why they say that we just, we we were soaked up by the man and the man ain't going to let me in. Because they think that their only way out is to throw a ball made of leather pig or to, to run up and down a field like a monkey, or to rap, or sing, or dance. And these are the things that too many of our children imbibe. They, they live by that. And it is their only form of expression, and they believe that it's their only way out of their predicament. They don't recognize that even if you don't play on the gridiron and you're running up and down the field, to the benefits of STEM, you can be programming the software that draws that yellow line on the screen. And you will make about $120,000 doing it. Or you can control one of the cameras, and you can make a six-figure salary doing that too. They lack exposure. They don't know the possibilities. And they think that those things are sealed off to them because of who they are and where they come from. And it's incumbent upon us as people who have made it to a certain level to express this to them and give them the visibility that they lack and then stoke their interest because there are tons of diamonds in the rough. But so many of them think their future is either dropping fries at McDonald's or selling crack rock on the corner for the same amount of money that they would make dropping the fries. Absolutely. And such a great point. And, and I, I, that just leads me down the path of, of several different questions because that's, that's one of the things I sometimes hear is that there are not enough role models. There's not enough role models. Well, I dare say even you yourselves, you kind of didn't have role models, but it still doesn't stop you from having aspirations. Now, I, I dare say we're a lot further along because a lot of us now have had, you know, 10, 20 years in IT. So organizations like BDPA are full of people now that, that are role models, but it's still a well-kept secret, like, like you mentioned. And we all got, I think, inspired at the uh, National Atlanta BDPA Conference but, but Derek, and maybe we can even bridge into BDPA and how it's trying to make that difference. Now, I dare say you are the, the president 
of the Atlanta BDPA chapter. Um, but what, what would you say to, to people who say they don't, they don't have role models or, or they don't know, you know, and, and they don't know about things like BDPA? I would say to them that they're absolutely right in how they're feeling and what they're saying. And then my next question would be, what are you willing to do about it? That's the crux of the matter. We have to figure out what we're going to do about it, and we have to ask ourselves as a group whether or not we have the courage to stand up and meet the challenge. Because it's no easy thing. You know, I like to bring up, and David, you heard me bring up this example at our last meetup, that in the 70s, trash was littered all over the side of America's highways. And the, 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 the seminal control of the mind was it's an okay thing to toss your trash out of a car window. Whether it was biodegradable or not, we didn't even know that such word existed like biodegradable back then. People just threw trash. Folks decided to spend a couple of million dollars from the government directly in some private citizens and charities. And there were signs. There were commercials. There were all of these things, these impetus, these pushing points to help people realize that it's not a good thing to litter up your community by throwing trash on the highway. And over a period of three to four years, most of it vanished. Now what you see is a sign with a $500 fine, and you'll still see trash on the highway, of course, but it's not half or a third as prevalent as it used to be. The same concept can and must be applied to people in terms of what they want for the future and education. I still know the preamble to the Constitution because I used to watch Schoolhouse Rock. Now, kids watch TV all day and day. They play their music. They've got their iPads and their iPhones, even on the hood. But there's not a single solitary sign in the hood that speaks to the value of math. There's nothing that they see on TV that says science will get you a six-figure salary. So if you know how to turn on a Bunsen burner and throw a few chemicals together, you can make not a decent living but a damn good one way better than what you've got. They know nothing of this, nothing at all. So when we come up upon the question of what can we do as a group, what, what's the purpose of BDPA, can we engage in that? The obvious answer is yes. The critical question is how. And then we have to ask ourselves who else is willing to come along with us on the journey because it's no easy thing. You're going to have to try to get corporate support. You're going to have to try to pull other groups together who believe this is the right thing but we're still not quite there. I would feel so fulfilled if one day I woke up and there were poster boards all over the former Techwood homes and Bourne homes and, and Adamsville that, that said, look at you, you're a scholar. You know, he had a little kid up there on the sign with a, with a, with, with a cap on his head and a tassel. Then I drive down there and I see a sign about, you know, black people abort all their babies. You know, we don't need to lean into politics, but I think y'all get a sense of what I'm trying to say. What are we telling our people? What are we telling our youth? And if we're going to tell them something, do we have the courage and the intestinal fortitude to tell them the right thing so that they move forward and become better? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and David, what, what are your thoughts? Because you've reached out, you've, you've been mentoring some young people. You're going to be speaking uh, next week, I think, at DeVry to, to talk with, maybe some young men that are probably, and, and women as well, but veterans who are coming out and looking into the, the technical field. But, but from your perspective, and, and, and I kind of want to put a, a little twist on this conversation, what do we do to maybe make IT and STEM, and I think Roland said this as well, a little bit more attractive 
to young people because they play the game. They, like you said, you named all the different gadgets that they have. They're well aware, um, you know, technology's live and well in the consumer, but they're not part of the, uh, you know, the, the workforce and the job force, and they're not making that, that connection. So well, what's, what's some of your observations and thoughts, especially as we've speak, spoken to some young people? Well, well uh, specifically speaking to young people, you have to speak their language. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to reach them on their terms, basically. You would, at, there was a time where you'd want them to do to come all the way to your side and, and communicate to you as you want them to communicate, whereas they don't have that capacity yet. So then we went and tried to meet halfway. Well, we have to do a little bit more. It's, 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 it's more important to us to reach them than it is to them to reach us. So that means we have to go three-quarters of the way and speak their language. They want to know how much money we make. Well, tell them. Mm-hmm. Tell them how much money we are making and let them know, give them a goal, give them a target to reach for. And, and uh, also, you have, to make it, you have to make IT attractive. Gaming is big. Um, um, a, lot of it, a lot of our people in our communities don't have access to computers. And as a young man, what did I like to do? I like to draw. And a lot of young people like to draw. And that can lead to a career in graphics, which can lead to a career in advertising, computer-aided drawing, uh, Dreamweaver, Photoshop. So there is a path, and, but you have to reach them at their level and, and, and slowly bring them along. You can't just shock them with an idea of going from nobody halfway uh, paying attention in high school, maybe uh, averaging a C or D, to saying you can be an engineer. They can't even grasp that. You you, you got to break it down to their level and 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 spoon feed to them. Get them little nuggets and and get them walking in your direction first. Then get them to run. So um, it's important to reach them and communicate them at their level and. Next week when I do speak at DeVry, that's going to be one of my messages. Uh, not so basic because I'm not talking to a, a bunch of high schoolers or anything, but I'm talking to educated people here. Um, I have to speak their language. I have to reach them uh, and communicate them at their level, and I can do that since it's a military uh, career fair transition. I know that language. I know the challenges that they faced. When, they, when I was coming out of the military, and I had my challenges there as well. And so based on that experience, I'm going to help them uh, bridge that gap and, um, and, and, and make the, hopefully help their transition. Absolutely. absolutely. And then I, I have to say, I'm cheating a little bit, uh, Derek, because if you, you're near a clock, you'll see that we're running a little bit overtime. But, wow, I knew this was going to be a powerful topic. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I love the engagement. I love the interaction. I appreciate the, the, the people in the, the chat room. So if you, you can hang with us for just a few more minutes, Derek, I, I just want to especially give you the, the last word to talk about VDPA uh, and, and some of the things that you have planned for 2014. But one of the things I also want to interject is, is you're, you're absolutely right, David, as far as meeting them where they are and, and trying to put yourself in their shoes, their mentality, Derek, you hit upon that, you know, today young males, they've got a lot of competition as far as in their minds. They think it's sports. They think it's, you know, maybe rap game or, or somehow entertainment. 
But what they see is a lot of money and fast. Um, a lot of them don't want to go to school. They're just squeaking through yeah. high school. So you're talking about, and let alone science and math. Yeah, but, so, it's, not, but it's not fast. Right. It's, it's not fast. And it's not guaranteed. Absolutely, absolutely. But I At will all. say that, I, one of the things I will say that to those who are listening, whether, you know, it may be mothers, aunts, grandmothers, whoever's listening on this call, one of the things that if, if you can get them, scoot them over uh, to the, the podcast or the, the rebroadcast as you're listening, something they need to understand about IT, extremely good money. Six figures is, is um, not that unheard of if you apply yourself. I dare say that even you can start out um, even without four years de- degree, I think that they need to understand that there are a lot of non-technical roles in the IT arena. Then fourth, I want to point out is that any industry that you have an interest or passion for, computers and IT, technology, software, hardware, is a part of that realm. And so you Absolutely. can find your role, um, you can find your niche. And I, I want to go back to an interview we had with actually Dr. Juan Gilbert, who's now a Ph.D., and so one would say, well, well, he has a Ph.D. I, I can't relate to him. But one actually said when he started out, um, he um, actually switched to IT because he had a friend that got their degree and immediately got a job. And that's all he thought about was getting money. Mm-hmm. He, 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 that was his motivation. But now we can look with wisdom and over the years, he went back, not only got his master's, but got his Ph.D. So it's like, you can find by accident your, your passion. And there's a lot of messages buried in our archive of people we've interviewed. And I do say, no, there's 90% of people who end up in IT didn't start out in IT. Um, but, so it, it, but what they do find once they do get in IT that there's so many different options um, that you can find the right niche for you. And that's why I want to throw out there that we are going to have a series of the day in the life of, and we're going to show different roles within IT, from business analyst, testing, project management, security, uh, database administrator, graphics, game coders. Because I I think that it it goes back to exposure, too. You don't know what you don't know. Um, And I've been waiting to use that phrase. Um, as we speak to the young people, they don't know what they don't know. All they know at, at a young age is uh, is the sports careers because that's what they see on TV every day. That's what they're doing when they get out of school. So that's their that's their exposure. That's where their knowledge is. But they have no idea what they don't know. Exactly. Exactly. But. I, 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 like I said, I wanted to give Derek the, the kind of last word on this conversation, and it clearly is not the last time we're going to have this conversation because I, I, was, I was trying to find a, a place, and we've been rapid-firing so fast, but I want to let people know also why we're having this conversation. I want to read a few statistics from U.S. News. It says one in five STEM workers are foreign-born here in the United States. That, that's number one. So that is... Over 63% of STEM workers um, today come from Asia here in the United States. So that, that's one of the things. The, the second thing is that the average Asian worker who has a STEM degree is working 
50% of them are working in their career field. Um, for other minorities, only 30% are actually working in their career field. Um, so from the, 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 making the translation of getting the degree to actually locking the job, which, Derek, I, that, that's your cue. I'm, I'm going to let you talk in a minute. Um, <laughs> and then the, the last thing I also want to point out is that uh, if you put together the African-American, American Indian, Hispanic a population of males between 18 and 24, they account, male and female minorities, count for 34% of the population, but only 12% of them had degrees in the uh, STEM field. So it clearly, clearly, uh, uh, and the last one, of scientists and engineers um, in that field, 75% of those are Caucasian, and the other 25% is a combination of both Asian, African Americans, and Hispanics. So there, there is still a, a gap there in the digital divide, and there are, I dare say that there are role models out there. There are those who have been successful in this field. There's the three of us on the phone as well as the, uh, some great people who join us in the, the chat room, and there's organizations like BDPA um, where all, many like-minded people um, come together on a regular basis. So it, one of the things I want to point out is that people like ourselves, um, not only are we just here to talk about, I got mine, you're, ta you're listening to people who are giving back. They're taking opportunities to hire and, and also to coach and mentor and get um, other minorities hired as well. You just have to, to take the steps, be coachable, and we, I mean, we, we, what do you always say? We're helpaholics. Yes. So we're, we're helpaholics, and we're trying to get the message out. Um, and, and with that, I, I want to give Derek, I want you to have the, the last word about your feelings about our conversation tonight and also uh, the role you've taken in BDPA and what, what your vision is and, and how you're going to leverage that to, to further this conversation and even come up with some solutions. Well, thank you, Jacqueline. I appreciate that. Let me just start with the Atlanta BDPA mission. We are a minority information technology IT organization dedicated to developing career-minded IT professionals through networking and education to become leaders and innovators in the IT industry. And I think over the last few years, as we've defined and designed that mission statement, it speaks quite eloquently to all the things that Jacqueline just said that reverberate around the statistics, the things that we focus on, the things that we do, the things that we don't do, the things that we should be doing. We are not necessarily innovators. We are like pieces of pepper and a big old bowl of salt, and we should be much better. There are other ethnicities that focus on doing those things, and when you lump a lot of us together, be you brown or black, we seem to lack focus. We lack the ability to define a clear path forward, and we don't necessarily seem to know how to go about getting it, to leverage each other's capabilities in order to find that path to success. So as president of Atlanta BDPA, what I want to do next year in my very small way is take this mission statement and elevate it. It was built on the foundation that Felicia provided, and I want to continue to build on it. So when we talk about STEM that is our main focus for our kids. The high school computer competition is an outstanding event. We want to try to grow that to make sure that we're able to pull in more children. But the competition is just one thing by itself. The whole site's program 
should be pulling in more of our community. And if it's not just sites, it has to be through some type of engagement that's facilitated by the adults in BDPA. And we all know for a fact that in order to get them to do that, they have to participate, they have to want to be there, and they all have to experience some level of growth. I like the way that uh, Jacqueline put it. She said that we're helpaholics, and we do. Over the years, we have done a great deal of stuff, and we ain't getting paid to do it. And I just want to emphasize that, and I'm going to say it one more time. We ain't getting paid to do it. It's a personal passion. It's something that we are driven to do. And to that end, I want to continue to do that. And I want to see it pay real dividends. I wanted to see something that helps turn us around, not only as a local organization, but as a local community of people. So some of the things that we're going to do next year is focus on some of the soft skills. We still have the technical aspect because we are an IT-oriented organization, and I'm coming up with a theme that I call technological superiority. And they're based upon Gartner, which if you know what Gartner is, you'll recognize that they highlight some of the most significant trends in thought and implementation and execution around IT. So some of the things that we want to present next year will be centered towards that, a differentiation and growth and evolution of cloud technologies, mobility and how that's evolved as well, and can we do something that's a bit more engaging as opposed to just showing you something. We want to be able to explain something to you and make it a bit different in terms of being experiential. You know, when it comes down to building your brand and growing yourself, we want to talk about how you network effectively. We want to talk about how you build your personal brand. We want to talk about how you lock the job. Jacqueline mentioned that a little while ago. That's one of my big things. I talk about how you rebrand yourself. I talk about how you can lock the job. I talk about how you can put your best foot forward, present your best face, and thereby doing that, lock not only your job, but an evolutionary career, something that grows you to the next level. And if you're willing to do that and you do it with us, then I only ask one thing, that you do pay it back and you push it forward. You give something to get something. And if you learn something from us, we would like for you to help change the paradigm, the shifting, so to speak. Everything that we've talked about now can be done by each one teaching one, and it has to grow from that. It's a personal thing. It's a mission. It's a passion. And if you're willing to take it up, then we can make that kind of change together. It won't be huge, or maybe it will. We don't know. But the whole point is to try, to be committed to trying. And if we can do that here in our area and spread the brand a little bit, then I guarantee you we'll see real dividends. You'll see things play out a bit differently. So please get engaged with BDPA. Membership does have its benefits. We've been saying that for a number of years now, and I guarantee you if you join us in 2014, you will see a real benefit. I'm not going to lay out any of the particulars for our program next year. We'll do that on another Expresso show. But I will say this. If you do get engaged, I am highly confident that you'll be glad you did. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for your, uh, your, your time and your, your contributions. And I'm really looking forward uh, to, to having you on. As we said, our, our mic is always open to you. We, we actually... Uh, I think we have a date set for December, so that'll be on our website, and you'll be giving a, uh, a preview of what's to come in 2014, as, far, as well as a call for volunteers. So um, if you're looking for a way to give back, to contribute, to be a part of the solution and not just a part of the discussion, uh, you know, there's ample opportunities uh, from the 
of high school to the college liaison, um, several board um, positions with Atlanta BDPA. And again, we have national listeners, and I dare say there are chapters all over the United States. So reach out. You can visit bdpa.org um, as well as um, always keep in touch with us at technologyexpresso.com. We, keep, uh, we track and keep up with all of the different organizations in addition to BDPA, other organizations that are doing great things around the United States. And I want to say to our listening audience, feel free to submit to us any topics, any speakers, or any organizations that are doing positive things out there for young men, young women, just professional development overall. We welcome them and we will open our mic to them as well. We've got some exciting shows coming up, um, including uh, Blacks and Technology, so we're, we're excited about that as well. And all of our shows Is are that, available in our archives. And, and Derek? Yeah, I just want to add one more thing. Um, sure. If you would like to see us and meet us, please come out November 14th to our annual awards and recognition program that's going to be at Cox Enterprises. Please do come and visit us. You can see the faces behind the voice, and we can talk more about our mission and what we are trying to do. And also, if you're willing, we would like to ask you to donate to our Adopt-A-Family program for Christmas. We'll be collecting monies there as well. It's always good to do a good turn for the community, so I would hope that if you are willing to show up, you might be able to lend a hand. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that we've covered all of our territory for this evening. Thank you for joining us. Continue to be a part of the, the solution, and um, we'll talk to you next time on Technology Expresso Cafe. Thanks, everyone. Good night.